0: You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today.
1: Well, hey, Northland family and friends, hope you're well. Thank you for taking time to listen to our Extra Takes podcast. I have my co-host with me, Matt Shiles. Matt, it's good to see you. Oh co-host, I like the sound yeah, of that. So, yes, uh, thank so you. So we we are evolving in, yes, into this I think where so. we you know, it's anything new, right? That you're you're constantly making those iterations just like God's mission has three different iterations. Uh we're making iterations to our extra takes podcast that we might even become better as we progress forward.
0: Oh, that's profound. Connecting it back to God's mission. Absolutely. I love it. Well, yeah. um, you might as well, since we're in this series, made for <laughs> Awesome. So let's uh, let's get going. This is the Buckwild this- sermon, right? So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's always funny. I had no idea what really Buckwild is, but in I, I did get a little passionate this past. Which people would say you're always passionate. Well, yeah. I, I mean, uh, maybe even a little more so this week.
0: I think anytime you have to uh, stop and check on us, right? Is everybody okay? I think that's where, um, and, and you did, and and I think we we were. So, uh, as a reminder, we are in our Made for Mission series. We are almost uh, almost at the end, um, but this week was revolution turning the world right side up, uh, October eighth and 9th, and we were in Acts Acts one eight, but it was one through eleven. So the main point was God's gospel revolution meets these three things: meets our deepest dissatisfactions, transforms us into the most powerful distribution force, and reorients us towards the most glorious destination. I have
1: to, I have
0: to admit, like I always, always ask my wife for feedback, and
1: not to throw her under the bus. She's like, "You really had a long main point this week," and I'm like, "Well, it, it, it was, but it was intentional." Because what I was really trying to do uh, with the the main point is connect it back towards mm-hmm. how I was explaining revolutions, right? So why are revolutions ignited? They're they're ignited because of dissatisfaction, mm-hmm. and then how are they spread? They are spread through people disseminating and distributing the revolutionary thing. And I, I didn't talk about this, you know, at the very beginning in the introduction. But where are they going? They they actually they're moving towards their preferred future, right? I mean that's what every revolution is doing. It's moving to their preferred future. And so if you take that main point, all I've done with that main point is connect it back to what I was explaining step-by-step with revolutions. And so if you look at those three points, though, that we flesh out is the king and the kingdom, you know, Jesus and the kingdom of God actually meets our deepest dissatisfactions. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at the spirit and the church, the, the spirit and the church, combines to make the powerful distribution force of the revolution. And then if you look at the fact that we are to look forward to Jesus's return, that's our preferred destination. It's our preferred future, right? And so that's what God's gospel revolution is actually doing, meeting our deepest dissatisfaction through the king and his kingdom, helping us understand that we're the most powerful distribution force filled with the spirit of God to bring about the revolution, and then we are orienting ourselves to the future when Jesus comes back. So I was trying to explain that to you, you know, but I had lost her, you know, in in the first minute. But I was trying to connect it all back, because what I always like to do, I always like to start it, you, you know, and then explain it and then tied up with a little bow, you know, at the end. And so, but but it was it was a long main point that I normally it wasn't as pithy as yes. some other main points have been, but it was very intentional of how I crafted it.
0: Yeah, I, as I was preparing for for today, I I saw that right. I saw okay, this is point number one. Okay, this is point number two. Point number three. So um, what's what's interesting about this? The eleven o'clock service I I sat in and worship with my wife and uh, and you sang a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Did that happen uh, yeah. at the other services? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did. It was like it was like the singing
1: weekend, you know, because uh, when when I've, because I've I've preached on this idea of revolution. I mean, it, it's actually been something that has stayed, well, that that originally came to me uh, over 10 years ago, <laughs> this idea of revolution. Mm. And and so you know from 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 there, I mean, I'm looking at songs that have revolution in them. Uh, So obviously the Beatles and then Kurt Franklin. I remember singing Kurt Franklin's song, you know, growing up. Do you want a revolution? Whoop whoop. And then and then then something like "Sick and tired of my brothers killing each other." Sick and and I'm like, I mean, I can remember, and I'm like, wow, you know, I tried as a as a country bumpkin. Yes, you you know, trying to to sing really fast was really really hard. So. I can talk fast,
0: singing fast, completely different thing. But yeah, it was the singing. That's week. great. Yeah. It, and that's, that's why songs are so great because they just stick with you. So, so as you were doing that, two Hamilton songs oh. came to mind, right? When you said, uh, uh, the revolution, do you want a revolution? I want a revelation. Yeah, and the, when yeah. the three, the three girls, I think Angelica was singing that. Okay, yeah. And then that, um, that line, the world turned upside down. Yeah you know it's kind of this like haunting line throughout the whole song and it's just uh throughout the whole um play and it's yeah. just so interesting how certain words just bring back to our mind these songs and i think they can be helpful for us well and especially that you know the, the, the even the word and these songs
1: about revolution right uh, to define revolution yeah you, you know and that's something that has stuck with me for over a decade because i think if you really understand you know kind of understand the definition i think it actually makes so much more sense in the context of all of these other revelation, you know, revolutions like American Revolution, the Industrial Revolution, the Technological Revolution, mm. uh, some people would say, which I would agree, and I did say this, I think maybe Saturday, the Moral Revolution or the New Moral Revolution, like what's taking place today, mm. it really is a moral revolution. And the question that I would even pose is, what is this moral revolution? What is it? it, it what is it even founded on? Uh-huh. Like so, so I mean, you think about the American Revolution, that, that again, it was founded upon taxation without representation or we're, we're tired of you telling them, then we're going to create our own documentation, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the industrial revolution, what is it, fa- you know, like, what are the principles it's found in Nepal and like, mm. but this new moral revolution, like mm. what, it, where is it even coming from? And I think it's more so coming from like feelings or what I want to do, right. what what what's helpful for me. And then it's like, well, so if that really is the case, that's not a revolution, that's anarchy. Mm. Because it's then it's every man for or every woman for him or herself. And mm-hmm. so there there's no revolution there because you're not you soli- you're not you're not gathering around and uniting around one commonality. Mm-hmm. You're just reuniting around yourself. And so so that that's what's very interesting about this new moral revolution that we're even
0: living in now in the twenty first century. Yeah, that's fascinating. I I didn't hear you say that in the 11. And uh, yeah, you think if who's leading that. So if nobody's leading it. Yeah. Um, So you did mention about a feelings wheel. (laughs) You said anger is just a secondary emotion. You said you have a feelings wheel at your house. And my ears perked up, and and my wife said, "We've got to look that up because we need one." So tell us about that, yeah. and how have you used that in your house? Maybe, yeah, I mean, past so, or present.
1: Yeah, I mean, so years years ago, when when I was in in counseling, my counselor showed me this feelings wheel, where um, like when I whenever I would say that I'm angry, he's like, "Well, ain't you know, anger is just a secondary emotion," and so he showed me this feelings wheel and. You know, he was he was pointing out. So, in your anger. Are, are you frustrated or are you annoyed? And so if you're annoyed or you're frustrated, what are you annoyed and frustrated about? So mm. so anger is that secondary emotion where if you start asking questions and drilling down to why you're angry, you might, again, you, you might find out that you're annoyed or uh, maybe you have felt dismissed. Maybe you have been provoked. Maybe somebody did something to provoke you and now you're angry. Uh, maybe you were ridiculed or disrespected. And so now you feel, you know, anger. And so uh, maybe you're bitter. I mean, so there's all of these other emotions that actually depict... Anger. Mm. And so, mm. and then it basically it's the feelings wheel. So, so it's anger, it's fearful. It can also be sad, happy, surprised or bad. Mm. And so like, for instance, like if you're dealing with a, a child or maybe a spouse that's sad, again, that's just a secondary emotion. So drill down to why they are sad. Are they depressed? Mm. Are they hurt? Did somebody hurt them that mm. made them sad? Mm. Or are they embarrassed? Are they disappointed? Like w- w- what's making them feel Sad, And so that was really a helpful way for, you know, Joni and I to communicate, for us to communicate with our kids is like really trying to drill down to what's really going on underneath the surface, underneath the hood.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think we should uh, we should link that in the show notes because I think that would be helpful for us. Um, So I want to lay out a, a quote that you said, you said, when you were talking about needing the power of the Holy Spirit, you said, I have not led a church to where we're going. Mm-hmm. No pastor has. Yeah. And you mean specifically, you know, where Northland is going now, I believe, because I've heard you say that before. Yeah. So just that, that idea of, of, of you, haven't, you haven't led us to where we're going, right? So how have you been managing that reality?
1: Well, yeah, and, and there's so many layers to that. Like, so, for instance, I've been a part of leading church revitalizations for years, mm-hmm. and I would say that Northland is a rebuild. It's a revitalization. Mm-hmm. But even even though I've done revitalizations— I've never revitalized Northland. Never revitalized the people here right. with with their context, with their background, with their story, and so that's where I'm like, no pastor has. So re- regardless of uh, who whoever else might have been out there to take the, like, they've never led Northland. And then also, I've mm. not uh, I've not lived past October tenth, and, and so mm. when you think about the the context and the changing context mm. of the or- Orlando metro area, and even our our culture no one's led in right. the future right. right that's why this the future and mm-hmm. so so for for me like that's what i really was trying to get at at that statement is that mm-hmm. i've not led a church nor any pastor has led a church specifically in this moment of time with with this background into a future that really is unknown and uncertain mm-hmm. but but we know the god who knows and who is certain so so that's the reason why for for me is making that comment of going i have like I need to go to to the God who knows, uh, who feels, who empowers, who gives wisdom, Mm -hmm. who gives discernment. That and I've had people throughout the years, you know, tell me that you know I had someone tell me this last night. You know, you have wisdom, but you have beyond your years, well, that's the spirit. That's not me. Right. I, I do feel like in in pastor years, just like in dog years. Like my my dog is now I think two years old. So in dog <laughs> years, he's fourteen. So I have huh? a teenager, and uh, so we have three teenagers in our house. But uh <laughs> but I do feel like in, in in pastor years, like yeah, I'm I'm, I'm much older than forty. Because of the experience. Because, because of the experience. And, and here's the thing is, and it's actually because of bad experiences. Like I was teaching a leadership class, uh, this past, this past week with Sam Serto. We, uh, are, are teaching wisdom and business. And one of the things that I was talking about is how leaders are developed over a lifetime. And one of the, one of the points that I made there is that, that leaders are developed through assessed experiences. And what I've had to do in, in 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 my leadership and in leading churches, that even really in the bad moments. I've had to go back and assess what, what did I do that contributed to this? Uh, how could I have led better? And it's really through those assessed moments and those assessed experiences that I actually have grown in my wisdom and capacity to lead. And so I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's even part of what has, you know, God has used to shape me to even be prepared to lead Northland to a place and a, and a preferred future that I've not been, that Northland's not been.
0: And I think that's so helpful to for you to lead us and and for us to remind ourselves of that to to stop and slow down and assess those experiences because we when we are in transition and when we are in a chaos and turmoil and so forth fa- you just you don't even you don't even think to slow down um, no no and 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 but the thing is you
1: need to. Um, yeah, you, you need to assess, and because God is teaching you something, and I, I actually see this throughout Scripture. It's really more so in the valley and the wilderness that God teach God is teaching you more about who you are and who He is, mm-hmm. and then it's really on the mountain time you're getting to enjoy it, you know, right. in some sense. <laughs> but it, but it really is through the crucibles, the fires of, of life where Mm. you truly are formed and shaped and, and I hope and pray Mm. that you're shaped more into the image of, of Jesus. And Mm. so, but, but I mean, if you think about a revolution, I mean, again, I want to tie this even back to the concept of revolution. You're trying to overthrow something or you're trying to get out of an old mindset. And so, so one of the things that you have to do if you really are going to tap into this gospel revolution, how God is in the process through Jesus' death and resurrection of making all things new, hmm. that there, therein lies a crucible there even in our own life because it's an overthrow yeah. of what we want, our will who our authority is and and it's an institution of him being our th- authority. Mm. And so th- th- so there's a lot of pain even involved in that, right? Because there's a loss. There's this loss of hey, my old self is 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 gone, my new self is 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 here. Mm. And so I am a new creature. There's that revolution. I'm a new creature, a new creation in Christ. So it's a drastic and far-reaching change. And so there's some rub there. There's some friction, which is, once again, why we need the Spirit of God helping us to bring about this revolution, not only in our life, but in the life of others.
0: Yeah, and last week we were joking about you you can connect maybe every sermon back to Genesis 1 and 2. Probably can. (laughs) Yeah. and and honestly this week though it was so helpful because you you connected this idea of of revolution to Adam yeah. And and i don't think i realized this before but but sometimes i think we can view the fall as just a mistake that happened and not a um not a revolutionary moment right yeah. so when you call out adam as a revolutionary leader really and, and then and then uh combat him with Jesus. it really sets the stage of uh, the greatness of the fall and it wasn't just this little mistake yeah like if um you know if, if this was a video podcast
1: or a vlog or whatever we would want to call it, which and we, had, could and we, we could do and we could do and then you would no longer you would no longer have a, a face for radio and podcast <laughs> but you would have to shift to a face for no, but but if I had if, if I had a board, this is where scholars would talk about when Adam and Eve did what they did, it instituted the kingdom of man. Yeah, and then what Jesus is doing is he's bringing he's ushering in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and so you have now two circles that do not touch one another. Mm-hmm. But what he's doing with his people. Through the Old Testament and now even more so revealed in the New, what he's doing with his redeemed people is he's drawing another circle mm-hmm. and that circle overlaps the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God, and we're the bridge. Hmm. And so, so we, we come out of the kingdom of man, but he sends us back into the kingdom of man to point people to the kingdom of God. And so that's what happened. Adam was that revolutionary leader, hmm. but that's where you have to ask yourself, like, what revolution am I part of? Am I part of the kingdom of man? Or am I part of the kingdom of God? And if you want to know why do we experience all of the bad things, well, that's, that's the result of the kingdom of man. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus broke into time and space and ushered in the kingdom of God, I mean, and I, and I actually you know, listed out what happens when the kingdom of God comes into our life, right? It's like the lame, the blind, the diseased are healed, the dead are raised, the outcast, Mm. they're invited in, the stranger is made family, the hungry are fed, the poor have enough, the naked are clothed, the prisoner is forgiven and freed, grace and mercy overflow, forgiveness is extended, love about, like all of those things. Like we want to be part of that. Like that's the dissatisfaction is that we are, if we really wanted to be honest, Mm -hmm. We are dissatisfied with the kingdom of man. Yeah. And we're longing for a better kingdom. Mm. Like, I mean, even if you look at our politics, you know, whenever Republicans are in office, Democrats are discontent. And they're waiting for a Democrat, to be, you know, to you know, to become in, you know, in charge to sit in the White House or a Senate or a House, you know, that 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 are Democrat controlled. And right. then right. when a Democrat is in office, guess what? You have with Republicans can't wait till Republicans in office. Right. But here's the thing: we're just we're discontent over the same thing It's the kingdom of man, mm. and with the inbreaking kingdom of God, what Jesus brought about—that's what. Listen, that's what our heart sings for, mm. longs for, mm. and so that's what I. Really really want to attune our hearts to go listen the the king the revolutionary king Jesus and the revolutionary kingdom that he ushered in the kingdom of God that's what we that's what we're longing for
0: mm. so you so we talked about the church as the distribution force of God and and really we were sent into the world in the power of the spirit um and you said we will not be afraid of where the culture is going that means we will become brighter yeah this requires a drastic change in perspective, doesn't it?
1: Well, you know, some, you, you know I, I think there's this, you know, there's this thought that, that um, you, you know, the world's going to hell in the handbasket. Yeah. I, yep. I don't understand where it comes from, but the world's been going to hell in a handbasket. And, and for us to think that the world's, you, you know, worse today than it was a thousand years ago, I, again, we, we lost perspective but here's what I would say at least from our own context mm-hmm. yes this this actual moral shift that we are seeing this uh, this this kind of like anti-church kind of sentiment mm-hmm. you know like the, okay I get it, it it's more secular mm-hmm. it's you know progressing more in a secular like I, I get it um and I don't even want to sit there and say it was darker than what it has been like it's been like it's been dark. It's been so dark that if you go back to Genesis 6, God flooded the earth because it was so dark. I mean, so <laughs> mm. let, let, let's, let's again, let's not lose perspective of what the Bible teaches, right? Mm. But here's the thing that I, I don't want us to fear is a shifting culture that no longer holds our values because a shifting culture that is in some sense darker in relation to us makes us more brighter. Yeah. So it's not, here's the thing. The other thing we can't, we cannot get more brighter. Like hmm. when you when, when, like, hmm. why? Because Jesus has already saved us. The spirit of God already fills us. and And so but but as we live out the implications of the gospel, as we surrender to Jesus hmm. in a context and a culture that is moving further away from any kind of Judeo-Christian set of values, we, in essence, become brighter. And so that's why I don't fear that because there now is this living contrast, which yeah. I think yeah. if we were honest, when you look at how the early church actually impacted culture, it was actually because of their distinction in the culture mm. that 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 led people to go okay what do you guys believe again yeah
0: yeah yeah and and really so often we look at that in fear and you're saying no we should look at that as an opportunity Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Definitely need to look at it as an opportunity. Like, I'll, um I'll I'll read some comments about, like, the early church, and this comes, uh, from Rodney Stark's, uh, book, The Rise of Christianity. Um, you, you know, he, he actually talks about how, uh, that, that believers, they lived in such a way, that how they treated women, how they treated the orphan, how they treated the city when out when 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 plagues would would hit the city, how the church responded to all of these and and interacted with all of these, hmm. actually embo- you know kind of like it, I say emboldened them to be able to declare why they were doing what they were doing, hmm. which allowed the gospel to spread throughout these you know kind of cities. Like so, he argues that epidemics which were rampant in cities, presented enormous opportunities to believers to engage the city, noting the term revitalization movement. Hmm. Stark argues that the early church were contributed you know, contributors to city renewal by revitalizing the capacity of culture to deal with the problems associated with city living. I would say the idea of, of revitalization and renewal are revolutionary concepts. Mm. They were they were drastic and far-reaching change of ways of thinking and behaving because no one else was doing that, mm-hmm. but the church did. Yeah. And so that's where the church we are going to become brighter. And again, not because we're, we're we're turning up the the dial. It's mm. just because of the where the direction our culture is going and how we're living out the implications of the gospel. It shows more of a distinction. <laughs>
0: Well, that's good news. Awesome. It is a good news. That's why I'm
1: not worried.
0: Yeah. You you know, but,
1: but then, then you get into this idea of witness. That's what makes our witness harder. You you know, because now we're called to reach, I mean, and so church, don't miss this. Like, we're called to reach this drifting culture. Like, so just because they're drifting, that's why we don't, we shouldn't get mad at them. And because I've said in another message, if you're, if you're ticked off at the people that are leading this nation in a direction that you don't want it to go, and you find them as the reason for the direction of this country, and you hold them responsible, how are you going to witness to them? Because now, again, going back to the, going back to the anger, you know, the, you know, the feelings will, if you're angry at somebody, it's actually hard to love somebody when you're angry at them. And so that's why from for me let's not get angry. Yeah. Uh but let's how how do we witness? So so this is part of where when you start looking at well how how do you witness? Well then you're going to you're going to seek to know and understand a few things, right? You're going to you're going to seek to know and understand their faith. Everybody has a faith. Again, if you remember uh, a message, and I don't expect everybody to remember every message that I ever preach, but in <laughs> the message that I that I preached on with Peter's faith, mm-hmm. there is at least five elements of faith: worldview, and then there is an object of your worldview. Mm-hmm. There is a purpose of your worldview. There is the ethics of your you, you know your, your worldview, your faith, and then there is practices, and so. If we have a culture that is moving further away from our our faith mm-hmm. and our worldview, then that means we got to go deeper into their worldview to even understand how do we communicate. And hmm. so if you think about what what Jesus was telling these Jewish disciples who had lived in their region all of their life, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, I, I'm familiar with Jerusalem. Then I want you to go to Judea. Okay, I know a little bit about Judea. Samaria. Samaria. We don't go through there. We actually go around Samaria. We don't go through Samaria. Don't you know who they are? Don't you know what they believe? (laughs) You know? So, but no, I want you to go to Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the world. You mean those, again, from a Jewish perspective, you mean those dogs? You mean those Gentiles? Mm. You mean those pagans? Mm. Don't, you know, like, we don't even associate with them because they're unclean. Mm. You know, it's like, no, that's where I'm calling you. Yeah. And so, and, and that, that's the, this, this idea of, you know, the uttermost parts of the world, you're, you're literally diving into the depths of depravity. Yeah. And darkness and going, I need to figure out what you believe. I need to figure out your hopes, your dreams. I need to figure out what you're trying to even accomplish. What's your purpose? And then what's your faults? What's your, you, mm. you know, and so, and mm. as you know and understand the faith mm. of the culture in which you're trying to reach, then you're, you're, you're more apt to be able to communicate this gospel revolution, how Jesus has entered into time and space. And through his death and resurrection, mm. he is making all things new. Where do you need new?
0: Yeah and this reminds me of our exodus 19 conversation when we were um we were talking about the idea of holy and a uh, a holy distinct set apart nation yep and then now what we've seen in um in all of these passages in the new testament we've seen this in john 2021 20, we've seen this in matthew we've seen this in acts this uh sent outness yeah right so yeah. there is this holy distinction but now it's the sent outness into yep. All the areas of the earth. Yeah. And and
1: as you are now sent, you are sent out in your holiness. Mm. You are sent out in your distinction mm. as you bridge that gap. Yeah. You know, again, kingdom of man, kingdom of God, and the church, which, again, draws that circle and is the bridge between the kingdom of man and kingdom of God. So now we are sent back back into the world, into darkness, into depravity, into uh, a, a host a host culture that is far from Jesus, mm-hmm. and we are there to be the salt and light, pointing them to the beauty and the grace of King Jesus.
0: Great. So and I, I know you touched on the idea of witness. We talked about verbal and a credible witness, and you gave us um, some other points. Were there other aspects of um, – Uh, you know, thoughts, points that just didn't make it into the sermon that you want to touch on now? Well, I mean,
1: so I, and I had a lot of pithy comments that normally I would put up on the screen, but I, I didn't want to overwhelm you, you know with so so many like little pithy comments. But uh, let me just kind of recap some of these pithy comments and go a little bit deeper into just something that I see here in our in our context in in the church today. But you know, one of the comments that that I made is the deeper that the disciples would go into the world, the more distinct they would become. Yeah, not only in their belief, but in Their behavior. So I really want you. I I, I really want us to wrestle with that. Hmm. Is that is there a distinction between our belief and our behavior from those who wouldn't even you know have that has no you know they have no Christian worldview right? Um, And then another statement that I said was revolutions never occurred by implementing the old ways of life, but the radical implementation of the new way of living. Um, and, and and so here's where I want to go a little bit deeper is I think the church has struggled with this for mm. for a while now. Mm. And if you think about the predominant way that the church has witnessed over well, let's just say um, over the last 1700 years <laughs> but but more so in America you know for for over the last hundred years, our witness has been predominantly come to worship service. Mm. I'm inviting you to church. And again, please hear me. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right. We ought to invite people into our worship gatherings to see how we worship King Jesus, right. to, 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 to let them kind of experience how much we love him, how much we want to sing and our prayers, our preaching, all of that. Mm. But, but the, but, but here's the thing. When Jesus sent them out as witnesses, like th- there was in some sense no corporate worship gathering that had even been started yet. Now they come from the synagogue, which there was a corporate worship thing there, but he sends them out as witnesses, verbal, credible, right? Mm. And so what, what I feel like we have, we, we have done in the church is we have become lazy in our witness. It's easy to invite somebody to a worship gathering. And then when you think about how the, you know, the, the church over the last 30, 40, 50 years has really grown, like most churches grow through transfer growth. Most churches. And I know you, you know, you're listening to this and you're like, well, what's transfer growth? Well, that's where, you know, somebody attends one church and then they transfer. To another, And so what has typically happened is, you know, churches do something different. Maybe they have, you know, at least from some people's eyes, like better preacher, better music, better children's ministry. So we leave one church where they don't have as good of a preacher or music or children's ministry, and then they go to another. So it's transfer growth. Most of the church growth has happened around transfer growth. But but then also but even if you think about our you know our, our witnessing strategy and conversion, I'm inviting you to church to hear a professional tell you how to get saved, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's, like, when I say it's easy, it doesn't, in some sense, require any transformation other than, uh, you know, kind of the, the transferring of information. Hey, what are you doing this Sunday? What are you doing this Saturday? Come to worship service. But where I truly believe the witness of the church shines and is most Potent and mm. powerful mm. is over the transformation of people's lives. Amen. And Amen. so, um, so, so that's where I, you know, and here, here's the, here's actually what I left out. Like, so I even have this in my notes. <laughs> I have this phrase: "Since I'm already on a roll," <laughs> so because <laughs> you because you knew you'd be on I, a I roll knew I was going to be on a roll. So, since I'm already on a roll. And since we we know what revolutionary people are, let me share with you what revolutionary people are not. They are not spiritual consumers. Mm. So if you're treating Northland or any other church like a spiritual vending machine that you get to choose E4 and out pops oh children's ministry, I love it. Listen, you are treating the church mm. in a manner that Jesus never intended you to treat it. Mm. So, 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 that's revolutions are not spread through spiritual consumers. They're not spread through selfishness. Hmm. I mean, I I cannot tell you how many, I mean, how many times I hear statements that people make in good, with good intention. But it's selfish. It's rooted in selfishness. Um, mm-hmm. revolutions, uh, they, they are not, they are not spread focused on building a great church, but advancing a great kingdom. Yeah. Uh, being greedy. Uh, here's, a, playing defense. Well, what's an example of playing defense? Well, this is always what we've always done. This is what we've always done. <laughs> what? I mean, yeah. are you saying there's, you can't do it another way? right um you, you know and 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 then um uh, and here here's a, a, a another way is uh when when i've, I've and i don't think this is at northland at all but but i've had other you know i've seen other churches where they're afraid to have other new people come in because it will change the dynamics of the church and so they play it in some sense safe to keep us for no more huh. well hang on Hang on, we, we want the dynamics of the church to change, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. then the last uh, but not least, uh, revolutions are not spread through laziness. I mean, at the end of the lethargy, apathy, laziness, you'll never find a revolution uh, take root through any of those. So, so that's what did not make it into the message <laughs> when I was talking about witness. Well, some of that stuff should have made it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we would have been there all
0: day. So, uh, but it, it's, it's all right. It, it made it now in time. It sure t- takes. Great. So, um, so for the last question, um, as we're wrapping up here, Uh, You said that Jesus does not go on to change the world with people who are interested in him. It's with people who are passionate about him. You said change your status from interested to passionate. So talk about that difference between an interested relationship and a passionate relationship with Jesus.
1: Yeah, I mean, so 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 think about um a, you know <laughs> I I'm going to use the idea of change your status because, you know, and not that I ever had to change my status on Facebook because when Facebook was created, I was already married, so I you no, know No, instantan- you weren't. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I got I mean Joni now we uh, we were married in 2003. Oh, gosh, is it 2003? Okay. Yeah, 2003. Because, yeah, we'll celebrate 20 years next year. So, you know, Facebook didn't come out to 2009 or something like that, or 2006. I can't remember.
0: So, but. so funny story. I was in college from 2002 to 2006, and we had the Facebook. You had the Because I was a smaller college, and and there was a competition, oh, really? or, or a small competitor called the Facebook, the and Facebook? you had to have a college email address. Oh, really? And it was a big deal when our college finally— Finally got to be onto yeah. Facebook. Now I remember MySpace and... You know things like
1: that, but yeah. but yeah. So in some sense, I never had to change my status. Yeah, but if yeah, think good for you. It, good. But if you are thinking about like dating, you're interested in somebody, mm-hmm. right? You're exploring them, mm-hmm. like to who are they? What are their interests? Are we compatible? You, you know. Uh, but I think a lot of people just stay there with Jesus. You know, they learn it. They like learning about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like hearing about him. They love exploring what he's all about. But but here's the thing: when when you profess him as King and Lord. Mm-hmm. When you repent of your sin and you place your faith and trust in Him as your King and Savior, well, you have now moved from interested into passion, passionate. Like I'm passionate about my wife. I'm no longer now. Sure, there's these things that I'm learning about her, but I'm like I'm madly and here's I, I used to use this phrase all of the time years ago. But I'm madly head over heels in love with my wife, and I'm madly head over heels in love with Jesus. Hmm. And so it's so so there's the status change from interested to passionate, and, and and here's the thing, like that doesn't mean to be overbearing, but I yeah. think some people, and again, this is just kind of my personality, more of my style of preaching is more of my personality really coming out. But man, I'm a just like, I'm a passionate person. Like, I mean, I just don't do things like um, halfway. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not just going to do like, like, you know, like
0: of, running an Ironman.
1: Yeah. what well, like <laughs> running an Ironman. I want to do it. I going to do it. <laughs> um, and, and so that's where I want to see that passion yeah. and... And when you're passionate about Jesus, like here's the thing, you're gonna be passionate about the things he's passionate about, right? So if he's passionate about his church, you're gonna be passionate. If he loves his church, you're gonna love his church. If he forgives people who have hurt him, who have wronged him, you're going to forgive people who have hurt you, wronged you. If mm. he serves and takes up a towel, guess what you're going to do? You're going to find the nearest towel, you're going to take it up, and you're going to serve. Why? Because that's what that's the person that you are passionate about. That's what he's passionate about. Mm. If he's passionate, here's the thing. If he's passionate about lost people, guess what you're going to be passionate about? You to be passionate about lost people. Mm. And so, and this is where for, for me the sad reality is, is that the longer someone is believer, the further removed they are from people that are far from Jesus, and the longer a church is in existence, the further removed they are from the community. I mean, look, good night. It, and so that's the thing. I feel like the church, we have a lot of people who are interested in Jesus, yeah. who are interested in learning about him and learning about how interested in how they can make their life better. And just how can we leverage Jesus to make my life better? Well, no, hang on. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come for you to I'm preaching now. This is extra takes preaching part 2. Jesus didn't come. He, he Here's the thing. Jesus didn't come so that we can leverage him to make our life a little bit better. Yeah. No, he came to be our king. He yeah. came to be our Lord. He came came to revolutionize our world he came to revolutionize our life to turn our life actually right side up. And so this whole idea, like I'm just going to tippy toe around and, and actually, you know, see how Jesus can enhance my life. No, no, no. That's That's a byproduct of being passionate about him because he is, he's He's going to enhance your life to make it more at peace, uh, to make it more harmonious in, in, in the relationship and in the context of your relationship with others. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's come to revolutionize and transform your life. Not, not just so that you can leverage him to
0: see how he can be a self-help help guru for you. So that's not why Jesus came. Amen. Amen. So as we are, are looking forward to next week, we're wrapping up the Made for Mission series. So what can we expect? Next week, wow! Next week, we
1: will be in the very last book of the Bible, Revolution. You know, revolution. <laughs> the Revelation. That's so funny. We 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 just preached on Revolution, uh, but we will actually see the consummation of that revolution, where you know Good Jesus say. will uh, come down out of heaven with the new city, and so we're we're going to end with that and actually use Revelation twenty one and twenty two and connect it all the way back to Genesis one.
0: Imagine that. So I love it. Looking forward to
1: it. So, well, me too. And I uh, really love this series. Northland, know that you are loved. We're so grateful for you as our family and then also the friends of Northland. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Extra Takes. Hey, if you want to just take a moment and you want to review Extra Takes, then we would love for you to review it. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you will give us a five star rating, That actually would be be wonderful. Uh, And you say, well, Pastor Josh, why are you asking for a five-star rating? Here's the thing. If we're not making much of Jesus, then don't give us a five-star rating. But if we are making much of Jesus and you're learning and you're growing, then give a five-star rating. But we love you. So like and review it. And we will see you or at least be here next week. Blessings.
0: Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.